Well, praise the Lord, church family. This is Pastor David Brown, and I am excited to be able to bring to you uh, today's adult Sunday school lesson. I am very thankful for our assistant pastor, Christopher Walker, and my wife, Mandy Brown, that have been teaching the lessons up to this point. And we are beginning a new series. Uh, the series is called Abundant Life, and it has been developed by Pastor Daryl Johns out of Atlanta, Georgia, and Jonathan McClintock. And this particular lesson will be speaking about abundant faith. I'm going to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27, and Psalm 56, verse 3, as our scripture focus for this lesson. We're going to be talking about how when fear and worry challenge our faith, that we can be confident that God will sustain us. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, it says, And when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? In Psalm 56, verse 3, it says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Would you pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father, we love you, and we are so thankful for your word that is available and accessible in our lives. I pray that we will use this awesome resource, this bread, to our souls, to our advantage. I ask that your spirit would lead and guide me as I teach this lesson and that you would open our understanding to understand the scriptures and that our hearts will be ready to receive it and our lives ready to apply. We give your name all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Daryl Johns tells the following story. He says that the Everglades is Florida's ecological crown jewel. And to three teenage boys, it was a place to explore and fish. Inside the immense 1.5 million acres of the uh, Everglades National Park are the Fox Lakes. They are hidden away from the faint-of-heart tourists and are only accessible by kayak or a small boat. He says, My best friend, younger brother, and I had pushed our way through the tangle of mangrove trees down a narrow access canal that opened to the hidden treasures of these two lakes. We were fishing for speckled sea trout, and avoiding the ever-present curious crocodiles. Could you imagine? South Florida, he says, is famous for erratic weather. And thunderstorms can blow in without much warning. And on this particular day, our 12-foot small boat was no protection for what we encountered. We saw it coming, but had no place to go and no way to hide. Soon, deafening thunderclaps, dangerously close lightning strikes, and driving rain had us fearing for our lives, literally. Once the lightning struck so close that my little brother made a move to leap out of the boat into the black water. We had been raised around storms, 
that we had never felt so vulnerable and so worried in all our lives. The storm passed. We settled down. We thanked God for safety. And of course, we resumed fishing, he says. Now, we know that storms of life, uh, they can be at times so severe that we are tempted to bail out of the boat, so to say, instead of bail water out of the boat. But if Jesus is in our vessel or boat, we should overcome our fear by placing our faith in him. And that is the lesson of the story in Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, we find that a day of ministry had been physically exhausting for our Lord. Now, this is quite a picture to consider. Mark's account of this story says Jesus invited his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. And as soon as they entered the vessel, Jesus found a quiet spot at the back of the ship where the waves were less felt. And he laid his head on a pillow and fell into a deep sleep. Could you just think of that? Jesus finding a place to just lay down and go to sleep. Now, the disciples must have also enjoyed this break from the pressures of, of ministry. And so the day was ending and sun was setting. Uh, things were, the air was getting cool. And there they were on this peaceful lake. And what a wonderful break. No doubt this was from the fast pace of public ministry that his disciples were involved in uh, with Jesus. And we need to understand there are periods of rest that are so important for us as human beings. We need those times of rest. Now, the Sea of Galilee, even today, is known to be subject to sudden storms. Winds will funnel through the surrounding hills uh, that are that are placed so in such a way that it will come down into this low-lying lake and it will cause storms of wind uh, to seemingly come out of nowhere. In fact, an example was given in this lesson that in March of 1992, the, the storm was so great on the Sea of Galilee that it sent waves that were 10 feet high crashing into the town of Tiberias, causing significant damage. You see, the disciples, they knew the potential for storms existed. But they didn't exactly have some of the modern conveniences that we have that can predict those things. They didn't have a satellite or they didn't have a weather app on their smartphone where they could check out the radar. So they couldn't necessarily predict that the storm was coming. And this day brought the worst case scenario. Suddenly, this great violent storm struck the lake. Waves began crashing against the side of the ship. The wind was tossing them around so violently that they felt like all they could do was hold on for dear life. The Greek word used here in our text great for great tempest is seismos, and it depicts the heaving of the sea like an earthquake. Mark and Luke both record when they tell of the story that the ship was nearly full of water. Now, the good news here is that Jesus was on board that day. The bad news, I guess you could say, is that Jesus was asleep. He was sound asleep. The disciples had enough presence of mind to know that whatever human effort they could give couldn't save them. And they fought their way to the place where Jesus was sleeping and shook him awake. Their frantic words seemed comical 
unless you would have been in the similar situation. They cried out to the Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Jesus may have been soaking wet, but he was not drowning in fear like they were. His response to the panicked disciples was a firm word of reproof. Why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Tough words, right? How could Jesus be so insensitive? Did he not understand how it feels to be a human in a hurricane? But yet, Jesus stood and rebuked the roaring winds and raging waves. Where there was, just moments ago, a great storm, there was now a great calm. And as quickly as the storm had descended on Galilee, it fled away over the rolling hills. The disciples discovered a dynamic dimension to the ministry of their master that they had not seen before. They said, what manner of man is this who controls the power of nature? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Jesus reveals himself to his faithless disciples in this moment as the God of the storm. The disciples' fear was transformed into profound faith in the person of Jesus and in his word. Keeping this account from scripture in mind, there are several lessons that we could learn as we uh, go through some storms ourselves that we might be facing or, or have faced or will face. First of all, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to understand that following Jesus could, in fact, mean sailing into a stormy situation. You see, Jesus knew the storm would come. He knew his disciples would panic and think that he didn't care about them. Jesus knew he would still the storm. You see, storms are opportunities for miracles. Jesus chose to strengthen the disciples' faith rather than reduce their stress that evening. I want, I want to say that again. Jesus chose to strengthen the disciples' faith rather than reduce their stress that evening. Why is faith, our faith, more important than our feelings? This is a difficult lesson to, to grasp sometimes, I, I will admit, but it nonetheless is a very important lesson that we must learn. Jesus is not simply looking. In fact, uh, not at all. He's, he's not looking to make our lives easier necessarily. He's looking to increase our faith. Now, secondly, faith is not tested on nice sunny days. I'll tell you when faith is tested. Faith is tested when life is just out of control. When the winds of adversity are howling and the waves of trouble are threatening to sink our ships. And it's at that point or in those places that we ask questions like, where's God when you need him? Is he asleep? Is he absent? Is he detached and unconcerned with my storm? Why does God seem to be sleeping when I am shouting for help? You have demonstrated obedience by following Jesus into the situation. And now he seems like he's nowhere around maybe asleep. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith trusts that God is in control even in the storm. 
Furthermore, Jesus expects more from us who know him. These frightened disciples, quite frankly, they flunked the test of faith, and Jesus let them know it. (laughs) He was showing them a, a, a little bit of tough love, if you will. He says to them, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you afraid, and why do you not believe in me? In the meantime, these physically tough men, they must have been a sight. They were drenched. They were bruised from being banged around in the boat, and they were afraid. Still, Jesus showed no sympathy. There was something bigger at stake here. The question you must consider for yourself is, can you trust God in a storm? Jesus knew that in the future, his disciples would face great trials, storms of persecution that would actually end for them in death. And Jesus knew that he would not be there in the flesh with them to go through these things. And they needed to learn to trust him in a storm. Jesus is always in the boat with you. Don't ever question it. The boat that Jesus occupies with you may be, it may be a prison cell. It, it may be the emergency room. It may be the courtroom. Your storm may come in the form of losing your job or a doctor's report. Your storm may sweep into your life through the death of someone that you love, bringing unspeakable grief. But Jesus is always in the boat with you. And he has the power to steal the storm just as quickly as it started. You see, our faith in God during times of trouble brings us, you and I, to a new level of understanding of his power. In fact, the, the more seismic the storm, the more conspicuous the calm. When the storm came, it was a great, the Bible says, a great tempest of wind. And after the rebuke of the storm, the Bible says there was a great calm. Do you see the connection? The fears you face can be real. They could be imagined. You may have rational fears, such as the disciples' fear of drowning while in the storm of the, on the Sea of Galilee, You also might have irrational fears, such as the fear that God does not care and is asleep on the job. Both rational and irrational fears. They both have the same paralyzing effect, though. Whether they are real or imagined, when you believe you are drowning in the sea, drowning maybe in debt, drowning in despair, the feeling is the same. 1 John 4.18 says that fear has torment. The transparency of the Bible is always refreshing to me. It, It doesn't deny the reality of the human experience, but lifts us to a higher level of faith. The psalmist wrote these words in Psalm 56, verse 3, What time I am afraid. You see, the psalmist doesn't deny that there will be times that we feel afraid. But he says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That's a declaration. That's a declaration. See, during the storm, when the disciples went to wake Jesus, Mark records them asking, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? This statement reveals something other than the fear of dying. It was more than that. It was the fear of being abandoned in the storm by Jesus. Twelve grown men knew that they were helpless against the powers of nature and that the only one who can make a difference seemed, well, he seemed indifferent to their dilemma. How many times in our lives have we wondered if God really cared about us? Let's be honest. In the storms of your life, God has seemed silent as if he was sleeping. Did you feel you had to sound an alarm to stir him from his sleep? You see, it's difficult enough to go through a storm, but then to feel that God has forsaken us and doesn't care brings simply a crushing weight of despair. Even the outspoken apostle Peter, he was there in the boat that stormy evening and He shared the sentiments of those who said, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? Their faith was unanimously weak and spoken that day. But on that day, unlike many others, an impetuous Simon became steadfast Cephas, which means stone. He came to trust the one who was in the boat with him. Later, when Peter wrote his first letter to the church in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, He made a statement about how we ought to deal with anxiety that was fitting of a fisherman who was writing it. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You got to wonder how many times that Peter had cast his nets upon the waters before Jesus called him to follow him. And now Peter, using the same language, tells the church, We ought to cast all our care upon him, for he cares for us. In the crucible of adversity, Peter learned that no matter how stormy your life may become, you can cast your care on the Lord. You may think that Jesus is oblivious to your storm, but think again. You can cast your care on the Lord, for he does care for you. I want you to get that. Jesus is in the boat, and he does care for you. When the disciples woke Jesus on the ship, he responded by asking them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Some may have heard uh, this phrase said in this way or in a different way, but worry is faith in reverse. Because worry is the feeling that your fears are going to come to pass. Worry is believing that God does not care and that things are going to get worse. Worry takes over when you allow your mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. In fact, experts on the subject of worry say that you should never worry alone. They, they, they go on to say, you are more likely to come up with solutions when you share your concerns with a trusted friend, a friend who cares. I'm sure some of you could probably go ahead and preach the rest of this point on your own. You see, when you and I are overcome with worry or fear, we need to cast our cares on Jesus because he cares for us. 
worry, it has to go somewhere. Don't just let it burn and boil within you because it will become a destructive force if just left internalized. But when you cast your cares on the Lord, you place yourself in his care. So what is troubling you? Do you feel like you've followed your faith into a circumstance that has suddenly rocked your world? Does Jesus seem to be asleep in your storm? Right now, in the middle of of all the uncertainties and the unknowns in our world today, in light of the COVID pandemic, what feelings are you wrestling with right now? Have faith that Jesus has the power to still your storm and bring you safely to shore. In times of worry, remember, God will sustain us. Let me finish with this story. On on April 3rd and 4th in 1974, that's a few years ago now, there was a a tornado outbreak that now uh, people refer back to as the super outbreak. It resulted in 148 tornadoes in 13 states. That's just in two days' time. Across the United States, 315 people were killed, more than 6,000 were injured, and 27,000 families suffered property loss. There was a tornado in a town called Zena, Ohio, that caused the most deaths of any tornado in the outbreak. In Ohio, 12 tornadoes touched down, killing 36 people. The Zena tornado touched down at 4.30 p.m., nine miles southwest of Zena, and entered the city about 10 minutes later. It continued northeastward on a path 32 miles through Zena and Wilberforce into Clark County. The Zena tornado alone killed 32 people from Zena to Wilberforce. About half of the buildings in the city of 27,000 were damaged and 300 homes were destroyed. Nine Zena churches were destroyed, as were seven of the 12 schools in the city. More than 1,300 people were treated for injuries at a nearby hospital. At that time, Steve Adams was minister of music at a church there in Zena, Ohio. The tornado was bearing down on the church where he was, and he thought about the safety of his wife. He tried to call her, but the phones in the church all had busy signals. Remember, this is, this is before the convenience of some of our cell phone technology. So he tried to call her to no success. So what he did is he raced his car to a, in an attempt to go call his wife on a nearby payphone. Parents, you might have to explain that to kids that, Maybe they're listening what a payphone is. But on his way to the payphone, suddenly he saw the funnel cloud heading straight toward him. And he knew he, he could not run it. He could not maneuver the tornado. So he stopped his car. He ran into an auto store and he dove under an overturned sofa couch for protection And he laid on the floor as the tornado destroyed the building he was in. It also severely damaged the church where he was, where he served at. 
When the storm passed and the wind subsided, Steve had to spend quite some time digging himself out. The car he had been driving was destroyed. He was relieved to learn that his wife and children were safe. Obviously, he was thankful to God for sparing his life in the storm. The experience that almost cost him his life inspired him to compose the song, Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Verse 1 says, When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet, when my life is shattered and torn, though I'm windswept and battered, I can cling to his cross and find peace in the midst of the storm. The chorus says, there is peace in the midst of my storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to cast my faith upon. Jesus rides in my vessel, so I'll fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. I believe that we could claim that song for our lives today. No matter what we're facing or going through, I believe that we could find peace in the midst of our storm. When we learn to cast our cares on the Lord and trust in him, he's not abandoned us. He is concerned. He does care. He loves us. And he's waiting to hear our voices as we cry out to him. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your word and bringing the story to life today. And I pray that we will take what we've heard and we will apply it in our lives, that we will live it. Lord, no matter what we are going through or what we will go through, I pray that our faith will be unshakable in you and that we will know that you are with us, that you do, in fact, you care for us. We love you. We give you thanks, glory, and honor. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church family.